Hello everyone, welcome to episode 98. Oh my god, we're so close. Ah, screams. I don't know what to say. Episode 98, it's crazy. Of the main show. I don't know what my voice was doing. I'm going to try and talk like this, but then not get really excited like this again and then just go back down to talking like normal. What a lovely start to an episode of the main show, Ginny. 98 episodes later, I have officially lost my mind. That wasn't official yet? Probably. Probably officially. Probably official by, like, number six. You couldn't have waited for a hundred to really make it official? No. It had to be 98 because have I ever done anything that was expected before. No, no, never. No. Unexpecting in every way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. Janine. Janine. I was going to say Janine then because I was going to merge. Janine is here. <laughs> I was going to merge the, uh, merge the sentence together. I, I'm in a mood today. I don't know why I'm yes. in a mood today. Because, I mean, it's not so much of a silly movie that we're talking about today. Because uh, we're bringing Hitchcock back. Now, it hasn't been a long time since we did our last Hitchcock. It wasn't like the gap between Notorious and whatever we did before that that was absolutely ages and ages and ages and ages ago. Before you even came on the show. That's how long ago that was. So we're bringing Hitchcock back, but we're not bringing Sexy back. That's disappointing. <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends if you think Michael Redgrave's sexy. I mean, it's cute. Ma- is Margaret Lockwood sexy? Is anybody yeah, from the 30s yeah. sexy? <laughs> sexy. <laughs> They're probably like, yes, you are, a, an, you are an attractive human being. But I feel like, I feel like sexy became a thing in... Like, I don't know, the early 80s and then... I mean, I call Alana stayed. Turner sexy. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, what people define that as. Okay. I'm sure everybody has their own subjective definitions of the word. Okay, well then we'll just settle for bringing Hitchcock back here. <laughs> Can we also bring the other thing back? I'd like to. What's that? You just said bringing sexy back. I want to bring sexy back as well. I'm just not <laughs> very capable do of doing that. <laughs> I'm not. Well, the maybe guy we'll get want. it together. Maybe we'll get it together by the hundredth episode. <laughs> Figure out how to bring sexy back, like Justin Timberlake. Probably, probably, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. But yes, we are we are talking about more Hitchcock today. We are talking about 1938's The Lady Vanishes. Um which Ooh. comes yeah. It's 30s Hitchcock. So you know it's it's quite a bit different to what many people uh think of when they think of Hitchcock because you know you think of him you, you think of the obvious big movies that came much later than 1938. Uh, for the most part, um, it's considerably different in style and uh, well in every way, and we'll get on to a a nice discussion on that. But 
of course, the most important thing is everybody listening. The people that listen to this show are the most important thing. You right there who can hear me be ridiculous right now are the most important thing. That's why we do Patreon shoutouts, Janine. We do. We do. We appreciate all of you. We do. All the people on Patreon, that is patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Where you can go ahead, go on uh, and uh, find a tier that may be right for you. And uh, join us and uh, support us and do all these things. And at the very base level, at uh, what do we call it? Lights, camera, action level. Oh, yes. Uh, it's shout outs every week. Um, on the main show, when Janine is on the main show, if Janine is not on the main show that week, uh, we'll do it on Morgan Hasn't Seen. But, of course, as you can hear now, Janine is on the main show. Therefore, it's time for Patreon shout-outs. Janine, who do we have? We have Adam Collins. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you, Adam. We have Billy Pollahan, the great Billy Pollahan. <laughs> We also have Brandon Hanna. Thanks so much, Brandon. We have um, my favourite and everybody's favourite and worldwide favourite, Carla Feast. Woohoo! We also have Delisha Renee. You're the best. I mean, that that is true. We also have Eric Garcia, who is also great. Yes. And we have Gigi. Gigi who I'm still convinced is the next person, which is, of course, Grant Gregory. I'm going to keep making that joke. Thank you to both of you, or just one of you, if you are the same person. <laughs> we also have Jeff Newton. Thank you, Thank Jeff. And we have John Mariano, who everybody loves unanimously. And, of course, Ken Knapsack, my great faction mate. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. We have LK. I still wish we had a name for LK. I'm gonna I'm gonna one come day. up with one next week. <laughs> if one day um, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> we also have our good friends Odd Shaped Channel, Tom and Kimber. Thank, thanks, guys. <laughs> we do have penultimately Oscar Romo. Thanks, Oscar. Yeah, I liked that penultimately. And last, but of course, never least, Randall Sands. Thank you, Randall. It's actually kind of nice that Randall's last. I'm sure he feels nice about it because it's like, oh, they've saved me till last, the best till last. Yay me, I'm Randall. And that's <laughs> what he says. Yes. That's not what he says. It's probably not, <laughs> probably not what you say. That is it, Randall, to be fair. But um, thank you to all yes. of you wonderful <laughs> people. None thank you so much. Less you are all great. We all love you. And uh, yeah, patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one. Go and check it out. Find the tier that may be right for you and uh, show the support. I mean, there's many ways to show the support. That just happens to be one of them and a very special way indeed. So there we go. Janine, let's get on to it. The lady vanishes. What do you reckon? Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I have been wanting to kind of catch up on older Hitchcock that I, you know, maybe missed or, you know, never really thought about because, of course, like you said, you know, we mostly just think of his later works. Um, 
and I saw it was available streaming and I was like, I kind of want to check this out. So yeah, I really got into it. Great espionage uh, thriller type movie with some kind of actually fun little funny moments in there. So I I would call them daft, stupid moments of silliness and (laughs) Britishness, but uh, yeah, pretty much. Yes. (laughs) There's like a Um, silly running bit with these two stodgy British men. (laughs) Very funny. It's a very uh, very, silly meat cute. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad you suggested we do this for the show because it is obvious that people, you know, when you think of Hitchcock, you think of the 50s and the early 60s yes you, on the surface of it on the really on the real surface of it you don't go this far back even though he's made so many movies like especially yeah. when you first you know when you first get, i remember first hearing about hitchcock and obviously the ones i heard about were from the 50s and early 60s yeah um because you know those are his big american movies um but Hitchcock has eras in his career. I think once you hit 48 with Rope, I think you get into big, elaborate American movie Hitchcock. Ah, okay. I think, the, I think 1940, 1940 to 48 is kind of like, okay, I'm going to dip my toe into American movies now, and I'm going to... Because you've got to remember, that's like... World War Two as well, so he's doing a lot of espionage stuff, and uh, yeah, sus- you know, suspicion came out in what forty one with Cary Grant and stuff like that. Uh, Notorious, which we did, Notorious. which was forty six. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it's that kind of stuff. Um, where he's he's getting the American, oh, he's getting the Hollywood actors in there now, um, and he's the moved. He's, he's, he's clearly moved over to the US at this point. Yes. And um probably started probably this was when he started to lose a lot of weight as well. Okay. Because in the thirties that he was I mean, Hitchcock's, you know, not the smallest guy ever. But in the thirties apparently he was like huge. And you Goodness. you can see you can see pictures. If you look at pictures of him on the set of this movie, he's like unrecognizable compared to what he's like in the 50s okay well i guess in the 50s he was trying to bring sexy back good for you alfred <laughs> well yeah i mean probably he was, he was probably trying to do it in some sort of shifty questionable way though as we know hitchcock was one to do and be all be, be all dodgy with people and as much as, as much as we appreciate hitchcock and all that he does and laud him as a filmmaking genius, which he is um, notoriously shifty with women. Yes. So we we can't get around it, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> however, if you go back to the 30s, we have no inkling of the uh, quote-unquote Hitchcock blonde situation. Oh, no, we don't. We have there's that that's not come into play yet, and that's what you always think of, right? Because that's what always turns up in the fifties movies and the sixties movies, is a Kim Novak or a T.P. Hedren, or, or your Grace Kelly, somebody or a Grace Kelly, who's just like this image of Hitchcock's desire 
and we we can see that throughout the whole throughout the movie. If you look at the movies close enough, it's, he's just framing these people. You'll see you'll see it in, re, in Rear Window. It's the most obvious obvious thing ever with Grace Kelly's entrance into Rear Window. Oh which yeah, might so that as kind well of close up, all up in her face, the all up way in her birdie face. The way that that is shot, it's just like oh, this angelic feel. What an angelic presence of a figure is Grace yes. Kelly and Hitchcock's behind First the camera, thing I see smiling his shifty yes. head off. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I can picture it now. I can picture that whole situation now, and nobody, nobody just and people just getting on with it because just oh god, I'm 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 tired. I'm tired. I'm just Grace Kelly's just like oh, I'm just gonna go and talk. To, I'm just gonna go and talk to Jimmy between takes, um, to say to save myself. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know full details. I'm trying to be funny about it. It's not working. Um, but there is none of that. <laughs> there is none of that in no, sort no. of a, in in earlier movies and in the 30s especially, where he's still making British films. Yeah, um, starring British. entirely British people. And I think, or at least in my mind, that cuts off at after 1940. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say Rebecca's his last British film, Hitchcock Hitchcock British film era. Okay, and then he goes Re- gets into the more American based. Yeah, because that's nineteen and... that's nineteen forty and forty one is Suspicion, which is Cary Grant, which is his first yeah. with Cary Grant. Uh, I think Joan Fontaine is in that one as well, and Joan Fontaine's obviously in Rebecca, but Joan Fontaine's British. I don't know, it's all weird. But, <laughs> in my mind, those are the eras. And this falls, obviously, into the, the 30s era. And, look, it's unrecognisable, really, as a Hitchcock film, if you've only watched Rear Window. It doesn't look like it's the same guy making them. Yeah. There's... there's. He gets a little think, more experimental in later years. And I think years. that's a testament. I think that's a testament to him as a filmmaker like that he can change his style and it still works it doesn't you know because um, people you know you've seen directors try different things and go outside the box and then it's like oh no that that <laughs> but i like he's kind of had um an evolution and he's taken risks and changing up his style and yeah. i think it always kind of pays off he always because i think he always starts with a very interesting story um yeah I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you say that because from a story perspective if if not from a filmmaking perspective from a story perspective and a pacing perspective and a, a somewhat of a tension perspective it is a hit, still a hitchcock movie it might not have the slightly wacky camera shots and you know innovative uh, placing of or framing and of stuff that a vertigo has or even a psycho has or anything like that. But from a story perspective, it still very much feels like a Hitchcock movie because we and we had this we we were having this discussion. I can't remember when we were having this discussion, but every Hitchcock movie, we we figured it out. Every Hitchcock movie is either. Oh God! I don't know what the hell's going on. What the hell is going on? 
I don't know. Am I going to find out? Probably not, but maybe at the end. Or, or, like, a few of them are actually the complete opposite, which is, I know everything that's going on. I hope somebody doesn't find out. Yeah, I think that's a pretty accurate description of how these stories usually play out. (laughs) It is. I really think it is. I think if you you go over you right now, right now, everyone, go over all the Hitchcock films you can name off the top of your head and put them into those two categories. You will be able to do it because it's just a thing. I've never well, thought which... about it too much. <laughs> which until... do you prefer? <laughs> I don't know. I just th- I, there's so m- there's so many more of I don't know what the hell's going on. I hope I find out than the other one but in general do you prefer knowing things that the characters maybe don't know or knowing things with the character that you are kind of waiting to see if others will figure out do you like that whole vibe or do you like being lost and confused with the characters and having to figure out what's going on i think obviously it depends on you know the movie as a whole and the general quality of the movie but I would, I would honest. I, I know some people that can watch a movie, and you know, really enjoy watching like mystery thrillers because they can try and figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Now, admittedly, I'm not one of those people, so I would rather know everything okay. and see all the little details that are, you know, that that whatever's happening in the story whatever you know characters coming in and out and all the characters not getting to know more yes. in that story i would rather notice maybe tiny little filmmaking things or tiny little well, it could be anything but you know i'm one of those people that sort of wants to notice oh they've just found that out or oh they've just found that out rather than trying to do it myself yeah and i I don't know why i I still get stuff out of trying to do it oh i I suppose i don't actually ever try and do it because i've just sort of i don't let the story kind of tell you what happens you're you're able to kind of separate yourself and just watch it Um, and people may not like that because that that may come i mean i i don't intend it to but it may come across as me being kind of a passive viewer. But I, I yeah. don't I don't I don't think it does. I don't consider myself a, a passive viewer of movies. No. I just don't like when I'm watching movies I prefer to relax and sit down. And, and appreciate the visuals and all yes, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. I I, I, I I you know me, I say this many, many times. Um movies for movies for me come visually first, story second um they, they just do i prefer i i prefer to look at a movies as a moving painting rather than a a, a book with pictures okay you know? i like that okay okay i do think i like um knowing everything and then kind of seeing who figures it out those kinds of things or knowing what the characters know and then seeing who else figures it out. I like that kind of, I think it's always usually pretty smart when it's done well. Yeah. Um, so I like that whole concept, but I think I get more out of 
a not knowing and having to figure it out. Those kinds always make for more fun watches because it's more tense and you're kind of at the edge of your seat and it adds that kind of extra layer of excitement to watching a movie when you're like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I don't know. I have to keep watching. Oh my gosh. So I like that whole kind of sense of not knowing and that excitement that you kind of get from that vibe. But I also, I think I appreciate when it's done really well that they can kind of lay everything out for you and still make you interested in the story. So when that's done well, I think yeah. I prefer that. Doesn't yeah, doesn't that come into play as well though that that sort of tension building though? Cuz I re- I I view knowing everything like forgive me if I'm wrong in saying this. It may have been Hitchcock in some sort of quote that said show the audience the bomb under the table and then show the characters not knowing it's there talking and then you're wondering in your head, oh my God, when the hell is that bomb going to go off? Yeah, or when are they going to figure out it's there? What are they going to do once they, they find it? And Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I've, just rem- I've just pulled that from the back of my mind from somewhere. Um, okay. So I, I don't necessarily know if I'm accurate, but... And I, if you I, can get, I, I you know like that a lot because it yeah is it, it means it, it's more tense for me viewing it if I know yeah. that something bad is inevitably going to happen. And then the people don't know about it because and then you're the people like don't screaming at them. <laughs> you're screaming at them. Oh my gosh, watch out! And you know, you obviously can't hear you, so you're just yeah. like, so yeah. When you can do that situation where the audience knows everything. Um, and still make that tense. I think that's a testament to how good the story is. And I think um, that's just as interesting as the other way. Yeah. But yeah. Maybe that's me being a fan of horror as opposed to a fan of thriller. Because I feel like horror, you you always know what's going to happen for the most part. You always know it's not going to end that great. Or if it it does end that great, only one person is going to get away. So you, yes. you, and you're just watching it for the fun of, for the fun of, watching the these other people try. It's kind yeah. of, it, might, <laughs> it might go to my sort of sadistic mentality, and this is with my action. It might also be why I love horror so much because I I like watching people suffer. No, that's not true. But <laughs> well, we do I, get that in this film most there definitely. Might be something I there. think. <laughs> there might be there might be something there. Maybe it's actually because I just enjoy, or maybe it's just because I enjoy knowledge. I don't know. It's going to get weird this if I think about it too much. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, this movie doesn't do that. This movie is very much a. Um, and let's actually talk about this movie because it's twenty minutes <laughs> in and we haven't actually talked much about no. this movie. <laughs> As, as much as we have talked about still Hitchcock and tension, which are two very big elements, obviously. But uh, this movie is very much a, oh God, we don't know what the hell's going on. Let's find out. And uh, you are just as confused as Michael Redgrave and, yes. and Margaret Lockwood throughout this movie until three quarters of the way through. In which it's kind of like, okay, this is happening. Yes. 
It's, but uh, I do like I do like those kinds of are they really crazy kind of stories. Yeah. Definitely perfect for a director like Hitchcock um, because Absolutely. he can really play up the um, the madness and the um, the uh, stress of those kinds of situations. So, I mean, he always does that. You all yes. look. <laughs> you look at the most. You look at his. You know, very famous ones. He's. He's still doing that sort of stuff, playing up stress and Jimmy Stewart Confusion. in Vertigo is just Jimmy Stewart in Vertigo is just fragile anxiety and yeah, stress. It's, it's kind just of the definition of madness, like hours. oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> sweaty close-ups and panic and <laughs> very, very, very sweaty, very, very sweaty. Um, what did when did we when did well, it might have been in the uh, in the extra special Patreon bonus content. That we did, yes. that we do do. That is also a tier that we have on Patreon. It's for extra special Patreon bonus content for all the shows. Well, not you Machine said Mondays. Do do. <laughs> that's a juvenile joke, Janine. <laughs> I haven't made any juvenile jokes today. You said do do. Thank you. You know Thank someone you. out there was thinking it. Pro, you know you yeah, were thinking sure. it. I wasn't the only one. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. I'm the worst. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, yes. Extra special Patreon bonus content. Yes. Um, was it that that we were talking about the fact that both Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant essentially just became leather footballs in later life? Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sigh. <laughs> you know, when you see leather football Jimmy Stewart get sweaty as well, it's even less appealing. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> you just want to go back and watch the Philadelphia story when Jimmy Stewart was really, truly handsome. Yes. <laughs> and Cary Grant, for that matter. Um, and Cary Grant. I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was just Technicolor. Maybe it was the color processing of Technicolor that made them. Oh yeah, that's what it was. It made as them look I... like tan shoe but... leather. It's <laughs> yeah, been left in the sun I... for. <laughs> I love Technicolor. Glorious Technicolor, I always call it. But it do it does do that to people. Like some kind of orangey. Yeah, it really <laughs> does do that to people. Anyway, Janine, this movie, The Lady Vanishes, yes. it's set in. Sort of just pre World War Two, Central Europe, and everybody's at this hotel, and it's all going a bit chaotic because they're not the the the, the, the is it the buses have been cancelled because there's some yes because there's, there's there's like some kind of weather situation so they can't yeah. really go anywhere quite yet. Well, so these two British yes. men are worried about missing their their what cricket game. Cricket game, yes, which is taking place in Manchester. So, yeah, you can't shout out to Manchester. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a running gag that these two guys are like wanting to know what's going on with the cricket. It's a really <laughs> so I like stupid that they, side plot. Yes, I like that they give you a levity side plot like that. It's just kind of ridiculous and nonsense, which kind of has a fun play at the end of the movie. <laughs> it does. It does. Um,. It is strange how that just keeps cropping up. Though. They're getting so they're getting so angry about it. They're trying to phone people up to yes. hear what the cricket score is, but nobody cares because nobody else cares about cricket. 
Yes. And like one of them gets shot in the hand, but their reaction to that is far more mild than their reaction to figuring out what's going on with the cricket. <laughs> oh, yeah. 100%. Now that happens, you know, later on in, in, in the movie. Because this movie is essentially, well, it, it's an espionage movie. It's a spy movie. Um, They, the, the, the people who are at this hotel eventually kind of all get on a train and... You know, that's how they are making their journey out of whatever. Well, I don't know exactly where it's set. I don't think it says. I know it just it just is like Central Europe. So it's probably like Switzerland or yeah. somewhere. Um, but with it being with it being set in just pre-World War Two as well. You feel like there's a lot of those, you know, in terms of. When this movie came out in in 1938, it's clearly set in that year as well. Yeah. You, there's a lot of background, real world kind of fear in this movie, I feel. Yeah. You know, like, I'm sure at that time, you know, we're only a year away from Britain declaring war on Germany at that point. And maybe less than, but there's a lot of fear in this movie, in yes. in terms of like from from spying from there's 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 kind of a lot of uh, British fear towards these German people and these these Central European people, which you know looking at it contextually. I mean, it's not fear as in, oh, God, I'm terrified of you. It's fear yeah. as in, hmm, let's just try and keep quiet and let's keep our distance and not cause any trouble. Because, and you know... Maybe it, we'll be okay. You've got to assume that, you know, Europe at that point... And I'm not an expert on World War Two and, you know, what led it to begin. I know Germany invaded Poland and everybody just went, no, we're not having that. That's pretty much all I know um, about how it actually started. But you've got to assume that everybody was kind of worried. Yeah. And that comes across in this movie a lot because basically the whole, well, the whole point of the movie is Margaret Lockwood and Mrs. Froy. Yes. Who is, who's, who's she played by? You 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 told me her name, May Witty. Yes. May Witty. Um she's great, she's delightful. I really like her in this movie. Um it's a, like yeah. I did Sorry. actually watch the remake and Angela Lansbury was Miss Froy, so I thought she would be great, but oh that remake was uh, not the best. <laughs> oh yes, I, I, I didn't watch it. I could not find this remake anywhere. We will still do a little deja vu with Janine later yes. on, but um, yeah, basically this movie is that. Um, Margaret Lockwood and Miss Froy are talking. Kind of bonded. They yeah. They stayed in the hotel so I'm, together, I'm, and they yeah. I'm very <laughs> wacky today. I, I'm. A, frazzled oh, today okay. i don't know why janine please explain this movie <laughs> um so mrs Froy um and 
they were yes. on a they were in the hotel together and they've kind of bonded she hit her head before they get on the train so she kind of t- cares for her and they have a bond they're in the same train car with a bunch of other people and um margaret lockwood wakes up and mrs Froy is gone like they've gone and had tea they've had nice conversation they set up that you know they've talked yeah. and had time together and um she takes a little nap and she wakes up miss Froy was sitting right across from her and she's gone and then she asks everybody in the car oh um have you seen you know this woman that i was with and they're like what woman there was no woman with you and so she's starting to kind of get very confused and not knowing what's happening um so it's kind of up to her to convince everybody that this woman that she was with mrs Froy, is real she's not making it up but yet everyone's telling her she's crazy and there's something um, yeah not so great going on there is something not so great going on something <laughs> shifty going on as i would yes say. um but it's, it's very it's very you know tense for that part it's like mm, this is unusual there is a there yeah. is a serious mystery at the you know for for large parts of this movie and that's obviously where the title comes from the lady vanishes is a perfectly um yeah. understandable title yes it's, it's and i think they do enough vanishing woman i <laughs> and i think it's smart that like had they just started with um her, her and mrs Froy, and no one really else interacting with mrs Froy, we mm-hmm. could have maybe got on that whole um road of oh my gosh maybe she did make her up maybe she's not real but we yeah. seen we had seen up to that point many people interact with mrs Froy, so we were like okay no she's really that she was really there at a certain point in time but why are these people trying to make her believe that you know yeah that trying, she wasn't there trying to make her believe that she never existed at all and everybody's yes. doing this um you know who has or who she has just seen interact yes. with Mrs. Froy. There's like four other people in the carriage. In the with train them. car, yeah. And then um The two uh, British guys worrying about the cricket. Yes, that they uh, met she they sat with her at the hotel at dinner and she yes. talked to them for a good minute. So the yeah. the, the dude who takes her tea, the dude who yes. the, the waiter. Yes, because um, when they went to have tea together, she had a special tea that she gave yeah. them that she, you know, her own personal tea that she wanted um, them to use. I mean, so this is, there I was mean, this, this is how British <laughs> this movie is. There's people really worried about cricket scores and really, really worried about, about exactly tea. what tea they're drinking. <laughs> um, and, you know, let's not let's not get too far past that fact. This is an aggressively British movie with very very british phrases in there um mannerisms in there like you yes. said the one dude gets shot later on and his reaction is just sort of like a oh oh, oh dear well that didn't go so well did it <laughs> by jove i've been shot that's pretty not much. great <laughs> pretty like... much. but that was it the dude it was gets very shot casual in the hand. <laughs> he gets shot in the hand he just walks back inside and just goes yeah Ooh, um, Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> we've gonna okay. we're gonna have to deal with this, guys. And this is yes. one of the dudes that was complaining about the cricket, so he's like the most British person. Yes, <laughs> it's ridiculous, but I love it. Um, but yes, anyway, 
a lot of this movie is obviously Margaret Lockwood trying to figure out where the hell Miss Fry's gone. Because yes. and yeah, she doesn't want she doesn't want to think herself insane, but she's w- worried that she is because everybody else is just saying no, it's she she her. never yeah. existed. And this is where Michael Redgrave comes in. Yes, I was going to say she has help to figure this whole mystery out. She does, and she 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 did not have the best encounter with Michael Redgrave at the hotel the night before. Oh no, <laughs> he was and, above uh, her in the hotel. Yes. His room was above hers, and he was doing some kind of, uh, he was playing some music and having some people dance very loudly above her to this folk music that he was playing. Yeah, and his little yes. recorder or whatever it was. <laughs> yes. And um, he was told to be quiet, and he didn't like that very much. So he decides to go down to Margaret Lockwood's room and say, oh, you got me kicked out of my room. So I guess I'm sharing with you. He just walks in, starts putting his stuff down, starts undressing. And she's like, get out. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're terrible. Yes. What's, what side of bed? What side of the bed do you want? Yes. Like, what? Oh, go, go away. Get out. Go away. <laughs> and he's like, well, um, unless you call and get my room back, I'm staying here with you. so you know what it's a really nice um they've got really good chemistry those two i think in this movie they do it's a really good pair did we not discover that he michael redgrave is actually the father of vanessa redgrave yes he is yes he (laughs) is redgraves is a obviously kind of a big family family yeah that started from there i think who who is our current Redgrave family tree person. I guess Jolie Richardson. Yeah. I wanted to say as, Jolie Richardson. As we our... lost Natasha. <laughs> mm, yeah. Although Vanessa's still with us. Yes. But she's she's old. Yes. Um But yeah, obviously Michael Re- Michael Redgrave is uh, is her uh father. But it is a really good pairing these two because they they start off as this feels a little similar if it was a rom-com it would be it happened one night you know it's very yes. clark clark gable claudette colbert in that movie where it's yes. just kind of and oh god can... i hate you and i hate you as well at the <laughs> yes, start you of could this see movie. cary grant totally doing that part as well <laughs> you could you could very <laughs> easily see cary grant doing that um however it is a a, a mystery thriller movie yes so there's very little comedy apart from the cricket guys yes uh, and this, this kind movie. of um meet cute so i well, mean yes, that's, what, I suppose, that's why i, I was kind of like i was like kind of curious well i thought this movie was kind of serious and then i saw this whole little meet cute and these yeah. british men messing with the phone call trying to figure out the cricket and all that so i was like where is this is this movie is like serious as i thought it was gonna be but then we kind of get there to the <laughs> We do, yes. We do. Um, it, to be to be fair with it, it ba- it balances it well. It never feels yes. out of place when the humour comes yeah. in, and but obviously, it always always keeps the tension. It doesn't, and the humour in fact doesn't even break the tension because you're still kind of worried about what's going on. Yes, and you and still want to hell, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, where the hell Mrs. Fry's gone? Yeah. But yes, Michael Redgrave comes in. They have to actually deal with each other again on the train. Yes. Um, I mean, as he's the only one who's willing to entertain her. Yeah. Her ideas of this woman actually existing. 
Yes, because he, he, you know, wasn't there. I think he remembered seeing her at the hotel, Mrs. Froy. Yes. And, yeah, just, he's kind of, I mean, it starts again on the train with the kind of, oh, God, not you. Yes. Um, but, very sarcastic to her and that kind of thing. Like, so he kind of will help her, but he's very kind of like sarcastic about yeah. it. Like, okay, crazy lady, I guess I can try to help you if your Mrs. Freud does indeed exist. Like that kind of thing. And then ultimately he sees things that make him like, okay, maybe she's not crazy. And then she's yeah. kind of attractive. So, hey, let's, you know, well, solve yes, this you, crime you, together. Hey, hey, let's bring sexy back. Exactly. Together. You know, that's, you know, that's going to be a <laughs> You know that's going to be in there, but obviously the the mystery elements really really ramp up from here, and obviously we always we you know we 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 don't shy away from no spoilers on this uh, show. These movies are old enough yes. that we don't have to worry about certain things like that. But basically, there's a whole big espionage spy ring going on. Mrs. Froy yes. is this renowned british spy <laughs> yes you would not think this uh seemingly sweet old woman <laughs> and is, these uh... people the, the people on the on the train all, all these you know presumably german people on the tr- that the, you know ran the train and were on the train kidnapped mrs Froy. <laughs> yes you know tied her up in a room Somewhere. And this is, bandaged you know, this her is all up. <laughs> bandaged her all up so you couldn't see her face. We should <laughs> say also that the the main, uh, Europe. You, I keep say, just saying European as though British people aren't European as well. But you you know what I'm, yes, you know what I'm yes. trying to get at. Um, is is Paul Lucas, who, um, recently we we covered with the Little Women stuff because he played Professor Bear. In the uh, 33, yes. Catherine Hepburn, Little Women, yes. uh, where he, in fact, looked much older than he does in this movie that came out <laughs> five years later. <laughs> I should also say that this is a very difficult movie for me, as every single man has a moustache, apart from, like, two of them. Um, but obviously... Oh in principle we can only we can only add one person per movie into and that the person is fame. well that person is is the male lead of the movie i'm afraid it's michael redgrave of course he had a who, very while he may not have, while he, he may not have had the biggest mustache no, it's very classy the, the bushiest mustache <laughs> it was also quite a fair mustache you know he's not yes. got this jet black hair so no. but it was a, a very very well presented mustache. So applause, Michael Redgrave, mustache Hall of Fame, mustache Hall Was of he? Fame. A, would you consider him a Hitchcock blonde? Yes, <laughs> Michael Redgrave is this movie's Hitchcock blonde. That's exactly correct. Well done, Jenny. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, but yeah, it's this whole big spying situation um, with Paul Lucas running the show and trying to not get, you know. Or trying to trying to kidnap Mrs. Freud because Mrs. Freud's clearly found out some information that, you know, you've got to think you you know you, you take it back, um, or you you take a step back. I'm trying to say, and you look at 
the movie and the time it came out again, this sort yeah. of stuff is very kind of serious. Um, to be going into into Europe and trying to get intelligence and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so you use an unsuspecting old woman. Sure. Absolutely, and there's this whole musical code situation. Yes, which at the hotel you hear, <laughs> you hear at the hotel, Miss Froy is listening to music that's playing outside her window. There's a man like playing a guitar, um, mm. some music, and she hears it outside her window. And then all of a sudden, the man gets like grabbed from behind and taken away. And you're like, well, he's just playing his music. What's going on? Yeah. So then you finally realize that he is was also a spy, and he was giving. Um, Mrs. Freud, a, a musical code um, for some information. So yeah. that's why he was grabbed and taken away because he was, you know, giving spy information to Mrs. Freud. Yes, and that's obviously the whole the whole point of the movie is they found out Mrs. Freud clearly had this, you know, has this information now. Yes. And that's why they, they kidnapped her and tried passing it off that she never actually existed or never got on the train. And the doctor that um, is kind of perpetuating the whole thing and has Mrs. Freud hidden away, he is seemingly acting like he's on their side and he's trying to help them. So that's even a a higher level of deception, that he is pretending to entertain her idea so she feels comfortable with him, but he's actually kind of the biggest perpetuator of this whole deception. And in the end, especially when when they, they end up finding Mrs. Freud, again um in the end it's kind of all the british people come together yes because a british woman is actually in on the whole deception and the whole you know mystery of it she's like dressed as a nun and she's yes. tasked to watch um mrs Freud, um who's yeah. all wrapped up in bandages as one of this doctor's patients um, yeah. And it's only when Margaret Lockwood realizes that the nun is wearing high heel shoes, she's kind of like, what? <laughs> this nun's kind of bringing, trying to bring sexy back. That ain't no real nun. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly With her what high Margaret heel shoes. Says. <laughs> that so, is that, that's kind of what tips word her off. Word. word for word, what Margaret Lockwood uh, And she's like, says. what? Girl? <laughs> we, sh- we should say as well that. In very, very Hitchcock style, it is very, very show, don't tell. Yes. Um, with that sort of stuff as well. You wouldn't know that nun was wearing heels unless you saw her wearing heels. Because they yes. don't tell you, they show you. Yes. And, you know, Hitchcock Hitchcock is the best at show, don't tell. I still think he, he, he always is the best at show, don't tell. Yes. And it's, such, it's such a simple and clever just technique. Yeah, it's um, a very a they, visual clues to help yeah. you kind of solve the mystery, which is also always kind of a fun little touch, I think, in these kinds of movies, these kinds of um, mystery stories. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's not a long movie, is it? So it's 90 minutes. It's a crisp yeah. 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and a fast-paced one at that. Um, a tense one completely throughout that sort of culminates in this... A little bit awkwardly staged gunfight. <laughs> yes. It's, um, I, I, I described it to, like, you're on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and you see, like, the two yes. animatronic ship, like, yeah. people shooting back and forth and it's 
this very kind of <laughs> yeah. robotic and like shoot shoot light. okay then i light, shoot <laughs> yeah it was a very animatronic feeling like shooting back and forth <laughs> and yeah, ducking basically. away and then shooting again and then ducking away and like just kind of flaring the gun like <laughs> with a no real kind of aim like yeah, yeah. basically you'd be worried <laughs> if these people got drafted into the wall the following year yes um because they'd probably just be shooting absolutely nothing and yes. doing absolutely no good mm-hmm. um, for, for, for either side. For yes. either side. They're both as useless as each other. <laughs> the only reason the only reason a couple of British people get injured... Well, one, like we've said, this one guy gets shot in the hand and he's ridiculously blasé about it. Yes. Um... <laughs> But then the the other dude, who there's actually this whole other subplot going on between this, this actor one dude who's kind of having an affair, and so he's yeah. with the woman he's having an affair with on the train, and somehow they decide to be in on the plot and just kind of be with the evil Europeans and just act like play along that they don't know. They do about but Mrs. Freud. In the end, they're sort of trying to All get in with the realize, British people yeah. again because they are both British and they don't want to. Yes. You know, it, it's kind of a, an oddly patriotic movie. Yes, uh, by um, the end of it. Because, like, I mean, like you said, um, the British are kind of just trying to be like, okay, well, we'll just keep our distance and do our own thing and, yeah. you know, just to get by. So that's kind of what these people do. Um, and who knows, maybe they were, like, blackmailing him. Oh, we're going to tell everybody about your affair if you don't help us. And, Possibly. He seems very he seems very, like, not willing to be seen with this woman or... You know, yeah, <clears throat> that kind of thing. I don't know thing. why she's a perfectly attractive woman. I mean, yes. I'm sure. So I, then... <laughs> I, I, I kind of do know why. It's the 30s. It's Britain. It makes sense to me. <laughs> but, so he, but he, then they also set him up as kind of a jerk anyway. So they do. Um, you know, but he, he's he that jerky up... guy who never wants to listen to the protagonists of the film and do his no. own thing. So he's like, "Ah, oh, well, well, I think it's better with her. We just surrender and we'll be fine." And so he go walks out with his little white handkerchief, trying to surrender. And what happens to him? He immediately gets shot and falls to the ground, dead. He does. <laughs> he does. His little pathetic white handkerchief. I must admit as well. It was the daftest wave of a white handkerchief I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty sad. Oh, 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 dear! I've died. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was <laughs> that. And then I, I was just sat here going, "Oh well, that was useless. Well done, you." Yeah. You know <laughs> that that went well. Now look, the woman's not happy about that. She's crying now. You've yes. done you've done a really good job here. You, yeah. you idiot. <laughs> Basically, basically is the outcome. I think everybody agrees with that, though. I think Michael Redgrave calls me an idiot at one point. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if he calls him an idiot. Probably calls. What are you doing? Don't, yeah. don't go do that. <laughs> don't sur- come here. Don't surrender. No. Come here. Stand. Yes. Stand your ground. So yes, I do like how the patriotism of all the British people kind of coming together to fight against. Um, the evil Europeans. <laughs> I mean, look, did I like it? No, because I never like British patriotism because it always comes off as very, very closed-minded. 
But <laughs> did I understand it when I look at this movie as an espionage movie made in 1938 about British versus Central European people? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> and it makes perfect sense. And I yes. liked it for that reason. Yes. It's a, it's a good little... It's a, re, it's a movie that is actually surprisingly a really good little insight into Europe at this time yeah. that isn't, you know, that isn't a war movie or that no. isn't like a serious war movie. Because I feel like a lot of war movies as well, you know, are very, very sort of bland. Yeah. Maybe not bland, but sort of 2D, two-dimensional. Okay. Um, I could see that. I think this more just kind of illustrates the dynamics of the time between these yeah. groups of people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I just, I, th- I think it does it really well. I think it's very, very well acted. Um, It's very, very well made. Now, obviously, it's not got the level of crazy camera of, of, of later Hitchcock, but like we've said, the... the smoothness of the camera's still there the show don't tell still there the pace of it's still there the the typically hitchcock story is still there um and the sort the the in always always interesting dynamic between the the two leads are still there because i feel like hitchcock always has that as well yes they do have the whole like love hate dynamic that i do love yeah, um, in it's like, very rom comish like that. Yes, so they do have that kind of rom com dynamic of like, oh my gosh, like a little bit of a flirtation, but also the challenge of not liking each other, having this like underlying disdain. But it's really like, you know, you're helping me. We're actually helping each other. We're actually trying to figure this out. So we're bonding at the same time. Yeah. Um, so you see them kind of bond and have like light moments together and kind of under and so you see the attraction kind of building um while they're trying to figure all this out and you feel like they're really in this together um especially once he kind of sees things that get him on board to help her because there's a there's a point where they both just decide oh my gosh she's ridiculous he's ridiculous i'm not helping you you're annoying and then he sees something that makes him like, oh my gosh, They because the tea, the box of tea that yeah. Mrs. Froy had given to the waiter on the train, um, he sees, I guess they had ripped it up and then threw it in the trash, but the label of the tea, like, kind of got pasted on the outside of the window blowing in the mm-hmm. wind, and he sees the label, and then he realizes, oh my gosh, she's telling the truth, yeah. and that's kind of where that builds their whole bond of trying to figure this out together, and so... Yeah, you get a little kind of romance building throughout all this craziness that's going on. And it's not like put at the forefront. It's just kind of subtly done. So I appreciate that, that they were able to kind of because, you know, when romance happens in older films, it's always kind of very quick. But they always seem to do it in a way that feels like um, if it's not the main point of the plot, um, this movie particularly does it in a way where it's subtle enough that you can feel like it really happened, that they really kind of developed this bond but it's not like trying to be at the forefront of the movie. So that was yeah. kind of really well done, their whole relationship and them kind of bonding over figuring out this whole mystery to where by the end, when you see them, her kind of blow off her fiance that she was on her way to see yes, to be with him. It's all kind of very sweet and makes sense. Yeah. yeah I, I completely agree with that. It's, it's very well structured and for all these little subplots that are going on, um 
you know, you add in the romance with the romance with the daft people in the cricket with the guy and his mistress. They all it's all structured well that you know, you know, it's it's nothing nothing feels like it's unnecessary. Yes, and uh, the subplots aren't forced on you no, to like kind I, of try to take over the main plot at certain times because sometimes when you try to have all these subplots, um, directors don't know how to give those things attention without really veering too far away from the central plot, which yeah. he does that really well here. Like he you still have your core of this mystery, and then just kind of these fun little things are happening around where you kind of just get kind of you know yeah um, peppered here and there. So yeah. yeah, which um I didn't really there were a lot of things in the remake from the seventies that I did not quite care for. Um Yes. Well we will well. We, we, we 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 will get onto that. Must <laughs> must say though, about the very end of this movie uh first is you say you say the romance didn't go quick, which it didn't throughout this whole movie, but when you fade then to a scene of so where are we going on the honeymoon? Like, yes. Well, that happened quick. <laughs> and he, they pass along. Mrs. Freud passes along because when all this is going on and the whole shootout on the train and everything, they like get Mrs. Freud away. Like they, yes, get her off the train and she yeah. kind of runs off into the woods. So they don't really know what happens to her. But she passes along the musical code because he's a new musician. So they're like, so he's always singing it so he can kind yeah, of yeah. remember it. So then when he meets up with the, you know, her good spy people he can tell them this was the code um yeah because that's what that's where they are at the end of this movie basically is yes british intelligence so Um, yeah so in that like he's already like oh um so i I can't so then when he's trying to remember the tune he can't remember the tune because he's like oh my gosh i'm all i can think of is the wedding march because we just got married i'm like what yeah (laughs) (laughs) but they of course hear the tune coming from a piano in the in next the room. room. They open that room, and who should be there sitting, playing it's the Mrs. piano? Freud. It's Mrs. It's Freud. And the music swells, and the movie ends. The end. Yes. Beautiful. Nice. Beautiful. Everybody, everybody <laughs> hugs. Everybody's success. We have... I'm now, now, I don't know about you. I'm not clear what this piece of intelligence was. No, and you don't, I don't really think, need to know. No, I don't <laughs> think... I don't think that in itself, the actual what it is, isn't important. It's no. not what this movie is, is focused on at all. I think it's by like, the ending, we... It's by, like Marcellus by, Wallace's suitcase. And it's like Marcellus <laughs> Wallace's suitcase. It's exactly like that. Um, but with that ending, we can all assume, yes, okay, success for Britain. Which, yes. I guess, I guess is a good thing. I don't know yeah. these days... Really but the don't. poor two British men and their cricket. So they get off the train. And they see a sign that says the cricket's been cancelled or whatever. Yeah. So all rain, of this... de- rain, rain delay on the cricket. Yeah. So all of they're trying to get there for the cricket and it's been cancelled. They're really not happy about, especially with the one no. dude having got shot in the hand. He's really not happy about yes. the rain delay on the cricket. <laughs> So, but yeah, trust Manchester, upsetting. trust Manchester to have a rain delay is all I'm gonna say there. <laughs> so, so yes, you know, I thought it was that, all very that full circle with all your little kind of side plots. <laughs> yeah, I like I like the fact that the joke of Manchester rain has just kept itself up for eighty years. Yeah, you know, I just really like how that has just 
still a thing. Always a but, thing, yeah. Yes, that is that is The Lady Vanishes, 1938. Janine, we're going to have you do now a little bit of a deja vu, deja vu, deja vu, deja vu. Yay! Or no in this case, because you didn't like this movie. I did not care for this movie at all. So it was Sybil Shepherd was the kind of a Margaret Lockwood role. And Elliot Gould was the Michael Redgrave role, which I just did not think their chemistry was great. They just did not fit together. And they end up actually kind of falling for each other right after they find Mrs. Freud. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> they already like, she's already sitting on his lap and making out with him. And Mrs. Freud is just there like, oh, okay. Well, I, um, <laughs> after they've just like unbandaged her, you know, the part where she's kind of hidden yeah. After they've been drugged, fake drugged, and yes. pretend that they've been drugged, and then they find Mrs. Froy and they like hide her while somebody comes into the the um, the car the carriage room that they're in, and they act yeah. like she's not there. Yeah, um, yeah. But then she's like hidden. Yeah. So then once she comes out, they like they're all excited that they found her, that she's real, la 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 la, and she sits on his lap and she kisses him, and they're like making out. And then Miss Froy's like, "Who's Angela Lansbury?" He's like, "I'm okay. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go freshen up," and then. As she goes to go to the car to the the car where the uh, restroom is to freshen up, she realizes that's when the other car is gone because in both films there's a part where they detach like yes. one of the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then From she realizes the it's gone. Yes, and she is like, "Oh my gosh!" So she goes back in the room and then she's like, "Oh, excuse me, excuse me," and they're just all making out like. Yeah. <laughs> so she has well, to try um, to get their attention, and that's when all the kind of chaos starts. Right. Well, we we didn't say that's that's where the gunfight comes from. Is they stop at this one station or this one like you know town and carry carry on. But yes, a part way into that journey, they find out that you know half the train's missing and that they've yes. been the you know some of the carriages have been taken off. And that's where the gunfight comes from. Is basically they are sent on this particular railroad towards this section of yeah presumably like we said presumably german uh where all the bad spies yeah so yeah um on the face of it on sorry sorry go ahead go ahead no i was just gonna say on the face (laughs) of it angela lansbury is a perfect casting choice yes She's very sweet and, you know, like wants to care for um, Sybil Shepard's character and all of that. But Sybil Shepard just is set up to be a terrible character. Like Margaret Lockwood, <laughs> like you like her, you know, you see her kind of being silly with her friends and, um, mm. you know, and you are in agreement with her when Michael Redgrave comes into a room and he's very obnoxious. You yeah. are on her side because who wants this loud, stupid folk music above you? And then this terrible bad coming in your room and saying, oh, give me my room back or I'm going to sleep in your bed. <laughs> like, so you like her right away and you like her. You see her bond with Mrs. Freud and all of that. With Sybil Shepherd, the first time you see her, she's being loud and obnoxious in the like dining room of the hotel. And she's got a Hitler mustache on and she's like shouting like fake German words on the table, <laughs> making fun of Hitler. And there's like German people in the bar. So they're getting all mad, like German soldier people. They're getting all mad. Oh, and she's just God. like shouting out like fake German things, mocking Hitler and all of this stuff. Probably not and of the course, best all her American idea. friends are laughing and everyone else is like, this American lady's crazy. What's she doing? 
And she's like in like this fancy evening gown, which she gets drunk and she's always trying to be drinking. And the next morning and Elliot Gould sees her and he like, think that's like the most they do to kind of set up their disdain for each other. He's just like this sloppy woman. Oh my gosh. And they have like a little moment where he's kind of judging her because she's very sloppy. And so the next morning she's still wearing this white dress that she was wearing the night before because she was drunk. She has the shoe polish Hitler mustache still like kind of on her oh face God. because you know, she almost misses the train because she's all drunk and, <laughs> you know, terrible. So, like, they already just set her up as a terrible drunk who's sloppy and just, like, making American people just look loud and obnoxious. <laughs> and that's how they set this woman up. But I'm like, mm. yes, make her think she's crazy because she's annoying and take her away to an <laughs> asylum because I don't like her at all. So they just, I just did not like that they made this character. You're supposed to kind of be, like, wanting to help make her yeah. just so terrible and loud and obnoxious and drunky and <laughs> didn't like any I, of that at I, all <laughs> i have three questions that i want you to try and answer from this okay <laughs> okay or do i do i have two questions two let's let's go with two questions two questions is this movie trying oh no three questions is this movie trying to be a little too 70s number number two is um, I don't know. Um, is why is it American? Why, I don't why, know. why, why, why is Sybil Shepherd and Elliot Gould obviously American? Why is it American people and not British people? I don't know. And like, Does it make they any difference? A big group of American people being loud in the dining room at the restaurant. So I'm just like, so yeah. So you don't really get that patriotism kind of aspect. Like everyone, yeah, comes together at that same kind of part, like they did. But yeah, it's not the same because they're just these annoying American people. <laughs> so yeah. And like, I just did not like their chemistry, them kind of already just being in love and making out. And Miss Roy's just like, um, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go like that whole, I just, I just did not care for it. Just, yes. And, and also it is very kind of seventies. And yeah. Third, third question. Do we get the uh, appeal of Elliot Gould as a, um, as a, as a leading uh, man in the 70s uh, sex icon kind of person. No, I was not attracted to Elliot Gould. He's just will always be Monica and Ross's father. Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> That's me. literally it. And the way he talks is just very like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know his way of talking is just very El silly to me. <laughs> I think Elliot Gould was so ridiculous and and funny and very good. As Monica and Rossi's dad in Friends. That he's just, whenever I see his face, whenever I hear his voice, it just, he's just that character. Yes, and there are actors who had their time where they were maybe an icon, like a sexy icon. They were bringing sexy back. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like Elliot Gould Elliot had Gould, that. So I, I, <laughs> I thought maybe I would have seen it. But I didn't, I didn't see it at all. <laughs> I feel like I've definitely heard things of like... In the 70s, like, you know, because he was in MASH as well, right? Yes. So, like, around that time, of Elliot Gould being this, like, legitimate kind of, like, real ladies' man. No, I just, um, I couldn't get there with that. Nope. <laughs> okay. There we go. Um, we, yes, we do not no, recommend The Lady Vanishes from 1979. Then. Yes. <laughs> Despite Angela Lansbury. Yeah, she was very Jump. sweet. She was very yeah. Mrs. Potts and t taking care of 
<laughs> I mean, An- Angela Lansbury shepherd. can never not be good, though. Surely. Yes. She was the best part of the movie. But it was well, that, just, that oh. at least we can uh, be glad about. But we do, of course, we, we, we will recommend 1938's The Lady Vanishes, uh, especially if you want to watch uh, a slightly older Hitchcock movie. And uh, one that's uh, a little bit different to, to a lot of the stuff that you may have may have seen. I feel I feel yes. like um, well, it's obviously like I said, it's a, it's kind of a very British movie. Uh, Rebecca, that you know, came only two years later, is also a very very British movie. Um, Best but I suppose it's, um, yes, um, very British uh, story though, I suppose, but. Uh, you know Laurence Olivier, uh, Max Maxim de Winter in in that movie is also constantly worried about what the cricket score is. <laughs> so it just seems to be a thing. Seems to be well, a thing. Even the two cricket guys weren't fun in this this other one. Like they just were, felt were like they, they were trying to copy. <laughs> yes, they're still cricket guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. And they do and the whole least... thing with the phone where they t- hijack that guy's phone call and ask about the cricket and the guy doesn't know so they just hang up the poor man's call all of that is there one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes and i'd like to i'd like to end, end on this and i don't know if i've got the right uh, wording of the quote but it's basically he's so frustrated that he doesn't know the score of the cricket that he kind of he kind of just snaps at this person on the other end of the phone and you're saying what do you mean you don't know? You're English. <laughs> like so everybody in England knows England everything about, know cricket. about cricket. Yes, that's, that's I hate cricket. <laughs> Cricket's terrible. And I think it's a lot worst. of British people do. <laughs> Nobody likes cricket. It's so dull. I always call it garbage English baseball. Because <laughs> that's what it is to me. It's the worst sport. I do not get the appeal of cricket in the slightest. The, in the slightest way. I just don't. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on how terrible cricket is. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. Is that going to do us for this episode, Janine? I think so. Well, there we we go. This has been another fun discussion. Uh, on Hitchcock, I'd like to do some more of the 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 slightly low key Hitchcock ones, well, we not should, the absolute low key, not like the ones that nobody's heard of, but you know, like this sort of level Hitchcock. Um, yeah. I know that. Um, I know that I've seen the Thirty Nine Steps, as well, which is from this year. I think that's even early. I think that's like from thirty five. That's you know British espionage mystery thriller <laughs> yes um, rope. that's one i did enjoy well rope's great rope's yes. great i feel like i always put rope on that higher level though on the more popular level i should say or the more known level shadow um, of a doubt definitely. shadow of a doubt one is on is is definitely on this level but low key. You, yeah it's much more low-key and uh well, by that time, like we said at the, you know, towards the beginning, uh, that's an American movie. He's clearly gone over and started making American movies now because that's Joseph Cotton in 
Shadow of a Doubt. Uh, that's a, it's a good movie. That's a good movie as well. Yes, that thank is... you, Dan Merle, for that recommend. I remember him talking about oh, how he go. kind of just stumbled upon this movie, like this Hitchcock movie that he had never heard of, and um, he really liked the premise, and he was very surprised by it that he had never heard of this movie. So I was like, oh, I... so I had that one on my list for a good while yeah. after him kind of saying that he discovered this like low-key you know, Hitchcock movie that he had never heard of before. So, and he yeah. kind of talked about the plot, and I was like, oh, okay, that could, that sounds really interesting. So, yeah, I yeah. finally watched it, and yeah, I really enjoyed right, it. Yeah, I remember you telling me to watch it. And yeah. I watched it as well, and there you go, Dan Merle, bringing the goods as ever. <laughs> um, 74-time Schmodan champion, or whatever he is now. <laughs> He's uh, out now, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a ridiculous amount, though. I know that for a fact. Check out Machine Mondays. Every Monday with Janine the Machine. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, I think that I think I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, the Lady Vanishes, nineteen thirty-eight Hitchcock with Margaret Lockwood, Michael Redgrave. Uh, there's been a lot of Mustache Hall of Fame stuff at the minute. I feel like it's been a good little run for the Mustache Hall of Fame. <laughs> We're quite happy with it. Last week we had Harold Sakata who played Odd Job going in. Ooh. See, he has we'll a mustache. We'll have to do a countdown of our top, our top five. Well, mustache why not inductees for the hundredth episode? I mean, yes, why, I think why, that why not a make that a part of the hundredth uh, episode? <laughs> sure, sure. Top five mustaches from the Mustache Hall of Fame. On the 100th. There we go. We're getting ready for the 100th. It's going to be good. It's only two weeks away. How terrifying. <laughs> How truly terrifying is uh, is that. Very, very much. So, um, but there we go. That is, uh, that is going to do it. Episode 98 of the main show. It's a wonderful podcast. However, the main show is not the only show you can find on this feed. You also have the aforementioned Machine Mondays every Monday with Janine the Machine sat right over there talking all the schmodown uh, things. This week's episode's doing very well and that's probably because of the great guests that we had on, but also yes. because of you, Janine the Machine, because everybody likes listening to you. Um, but if you haven't checked that out and you're a schmodown fan... Uh, Janine had Kevin Smets and Frankie Janish on, yes. and it was uh, it was very funny, and uh, very good, and very insightful, and they were talking about the the recent Atlanta live event on that. Um, but you've got Machine Mondays every Monday anyway, with Janine and uh, Morgan hasn't seen, which is the silly show every Wednesday with me and Janine, where I haven't seen things and Janine makes me watch things and discussion happens and it's often nonsensical and <laughs> pretty much we just, we just make jokes about things and we're doing movies about tv at the minute which is kind of interesting it's kind of interesting yes. you, you always think up a good premise for the for the the, the the different series on a morgan hasn't seen and i i like that um, you can, of course, leave us a voice messages for any of the shows on Anchor. There is a link in the uh, description of every episode of every show and whatever platform you are listening on to go and leave us a, a voice message over there. We love playing them. We love getting them. They make us feel very nice. And it's nice to feel nice. 
and you can find the feed and the three shows we have on this feed on Anchor, of course, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and a whole bunch of other places. We are everywhere. It is great. But also, keep up on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. I'm on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. Or on Instagram at just the Purple Dawn. Janine, all the good stuff is at. You can find me at Janine DeBean on Twitter and Instagram if you want to get some awesome merch for any of the shows we talked about. Or if you just want to check out my artwork, you can find it all at my tea shop on tpublic.com at G9Design. There we go, guys. Uh, keep a look out on my Twitter as well over the next week, starting tomorrow, as of the air date of this episode. I am at Manchester Film Festival again, which is, which is great. So I'm covering that whole thing which goes from saturday to the following sunday so it's a week and a day um, so it's it's all it's all good stuff but keep a look out on basically on twitter i'll be doing a lot of stuff on this you'll hear stuff on uh well on this feed about that as well so it's going to be good there's a lot Yay. of content coming from from uh, manchester film festival over the next week and a bit and uh yeah, that's all I've got to say. Check out The Lady oh. Vanishes. Oh, another thing that we have to say. One more thing. Um, Get your live streams for the Schmodown Throwdown tomorrow. Um, It will be The Family, Andrew Guy and Drew McWeeny versus Corruption, Mike Kalinowski and Chance Ellison, live at 11 a.m. Saturday. Get your live streams at theschmodownlive.com. I will be Do walking that. out with my crew. So, yes, go check it out. My boys are going to take it. They Live throwdown. I have faith in the family. I have faith in the <laughs> usual suspects. And I have faith in the machine. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, Janine. <laughs> That's going to do it. There's only one thing left to do, Janine. I would like you to count us down. Three, two, one. Bye. Oh, oh dear, I believe I've been shot.